A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to Properly Howard, a podcast that reviews classic films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the remake of the classic science fiction film, RoboCop. This is a fresh look at the moral conundrum about what happens when you tinker with the natural order of things and give Samuel L. Jackson Mitt Romney's hair. <laughs> with me to discuss this film is Dr. Anthony Ladon. Did you watch um, Cocaine Bear? No, not yet. I've heard it's uh it's not great. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like um you know, before I thought well, I really got to see this. This is this really really fascinates me because it you know, it's based on a true story. I don't know if you knew this. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you did know. Uh I was thinking, you know, maybe it would be interesting if, you know, ne- having neither of us seen it both pitch a uh, a sequel for Cocaine Bear 2. Mm. In the same way that Superman 3 has seemingly zero knowledge of the Superman movies that came before it. <laughs> or the or what's Superman in general, really. I had an idea for Cocaine Bear 2 uh, because of I think that at this point they're just going to hand the franchise to anyone, uh, given, mm. given the, the box office returns. My idea is Cocaine Bear goes to New York. Mm. Because sort of like is, a Jason takes Manhattan type, a, a little bit, yeah. It, it's you know, this is a very solid sequel trope. You know, it's like uh, you know, Gremlins. The first Gremlins was in you know small town, and then Gremlins two they go to New York, or you know, Home Alone two is lost in New York, and of course you just mentioned Jason. I think I think it's a it's a pretty solid move to bring the mythology to the big city. Well, yeah, and I mean, you could, I mean, dream big, right? Like, I mean, think of Cocaine Bear like a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers and just put him in new situations. Like, just. So I was thinking more like Wolf of Wall Street, like more like Bear of Wall Street, where it's oh, like. Oh, okay. So he's, he's gotten the cocaine, but the cocaine has not led him onto a murderous rampage. This time the bear wants to become a Wall Street executive. Okay, and he's decided to short the system, and I, you know, we'll bring in some sort of nanotech AI to give the the bear super intelligence or something like this. But his cocaine habit 
kind of runs throughout the whole story. Well, I like the idea that it's not even in like nanotechnology. It's just uh, he's so coked out uh, that he can't help. Like it's like <laughs> what happens is like so like if you do like if a bear if you give a bear if you you know it's a classic <laughs> proverb if you give a bear cocaine, you know if you give a moose a yeah. muffin he'll <laughs> yeah. want another muffin. But yeah. if you get cocaine to a bear, he will immediately become a Wall Street douchebag. Well, it's just like it's like an inevitability, right? Like oh no, the bear is reacting to cocaine, and so now he's on a murderous rampage. It's like well, what happens if he has even more cocaine? Well, now he's he's <laughs> got to move into finance. This is yeah, this is. And- Leveling up is what's happening here. Yeah, it's just like it's a it's a logical reaction, right? At that point, so. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you got you know you've got an Al Pacino character who becomes really dependent on the bear because the bear is sort of the new up and coming superstar. He realizes this bear is going to save our sinking ship. Well, it's kind of like the movie Speed, and uh, we just call it Coke, I guess. But like it's because like. Like we just said, like he gets the cocaine mm-hmm. and, and he and he goes on a murderous rampage, but then he gets more cocaine and mm-hmm. now he becomes like a, kind of a, a financial savant. Mm-hmm. But there's always the concern that he does less cocaine and goes back to a murderous rampage. So you're always trying to keep him at a certain coked out level, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like he's so Pacino's constantly trying to just get more coke, but like what they don't know is what happens if you go to that next threshold, right? Like, so we know that there's regular bear. <laughs> yeah. Cocaine bear murderer, uh-huh. extra cocaine bear, uh, you know, financial savant. What is the next tier? And that's what I, I love the idea that we just get to a mm-hmm. point where, you know, and then like eventual movie would be like, you know, cocaine bear rehab. Right. So we just <laughs> put him back, you know, we put him back out there. Eventually, you know, no coke, the, the, you know. eventually the bear gets brain damage and it becomes Paddington bear at the end. <laughs> that's right. But then you have the next sequel, which is cocaine bear, like five relapse. and and he gets cocaine again. Mm-hmm. Becomes president of the United States. Right. That's that's <laughs> tier seven. <laughs> Air Force One cocaine bear snakes on a plane. Basically just, yeah, it's just a shot for shot remake of Air Force One, but we replaced Harrison Ford with a CGI bear. <laughs> so uh, we have not seen a cocaine bear, but we are pretty confident that we can come up with a a sequel and uh, I think we get it. (laughs) (laughs) We basically got from the preview. That's all we need to run with uh, cocaine bear Two, lost on wall street. (laughs) Cocaine bear Two bear market. (laughs) There it is. It was, it was hanging there. I missed it. It was just sitting there the whole time. Our, our our listeners, all four of them were like, come on, man, get there. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Steve, would you rather have the career of Gary Oldman or Michael Keaton? Mm-mm. Um, I'll go with Keaton. Really? Okay. I mean, you you have a special place in your heart for Keaton, but I know that you're a big Gary Oldman fan. Yeah, but if I, if I get, I mean, you're going to tell me I get to be Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to old man. <laughs> well, and at one point, Keaton does become old man and Batman. Yeah, exactly. Simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Gary Oldman probably has the most diverse career, like out of the two. You know, arguably the most range. I think that's that's probably pretty pretty safe. So he gets a chance to be a lot of really fun characters. 
a Keaton. Like I said, he got a chance to be Batman in a, in a Tim Burton movie. That's that's a pretty special spot. So I'm going to go Oldman, and I think it's because of the consistency. I think that there was a good decade, almost 20 years, where it was like, whatever happened to Michael Keaton? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be that that was just my perception of it. But I think if you look at Oldman's career, it's just like solid double, double after double after, you know, every now and again a triple and every now and again a home run. But it's just like, man, he's just hitting for average. He's like Mark Grace. Yeah, right, right. He's going to give you a professional at bat every single time he's on screen. And maybe the highs aren't as high, but I mean, he was Churchill most recently. That's the funny thing about Keaton, too, is that, like, for when Oldman would become a leading, like, the lead guy, like, it always felt a little odd to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, he's kind of made his his stamp on films by supporting or scene stealing. So when he becomes mm-hmm. the main, like, he certainly has the capability, but it's um, it's interesting. It feels like, I mean, I wonder if it has this the same impact, right? Like, mm-hmm. can he impact, like, almost like going back to your your uh, baseball analogy, uh like some guys just come in and just and amazing pinch hitters. Yeah, I don't think that either of these guys can't hit lefties though. I think that Right, right. Like I was I was wondering in, in this movie like if you were to swap those two and let Keaton play the scientist and Oldman play the billionaire or whatever. I still think you get a pretty decent performance out of each. Yeah, uh so it'd be and so I guess a way to go with that question even further is like which of these is a better which of these would be better long term? More Oldman as a lead mm-hmm. or more Keaton as a supporting. Yeah. Right, right, right. If if Keaton had sort of like, I'm just gonna do character actor work five times a decade and I'm gonna steal scenes. Mm-hmm. I think he could have had an Oldman's career. Well, and I think and I think that's maybe what he was doing like during that time frame when you said he kinda didn't do his best work, or I think maybe that's maybe where he was, right? I think he was now becoming more of a supporting like i think of the other guys right like talk about scene stealing right i mean he's 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 oh absolutely. here's a movie that's chock full of comedy but he's arguably the funniest part of it you know he takes little jackie brown he uh i guess this is like maybe towards more his resurgence but when he became the, the vulture in uh loved him in, i loved in, him as a vulture he, that was that was a fantastic movie and here's the thing about keaton and I could be forgetting a few things, but there there were a few like really sort of dogs of film that he was the lead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can't think of like any movie that Oldman where Oldman was like lead actor that turned into kind of a dog of a film. But it could just be that he had less opportunity. Like, how do you feel about Bram Stoker's Dracula? I mean, look, I don't like that movie at all, but he was absolutely the best part of that movie. He was wildly entertaining, but maybe he he felt to me like as much as I enjoyed watching every single scene he's in, he is as much of a problem of that movie <laughs> as anything else. <laughs> he was not what was bringing that movie down. Uh, I'll just say No, that. but he was kind of a byproduct of it, right? Like his performance... Like maybe that's it's also a credit, right? <laughs> You're matching exactly what this movie's trying to do, <laughs> and that's and that's it. Certainly is a choice. All right, let's talk RoboCop. All right, so uh, RoboCop, the original RoboCop, is a movie that's near and dear to your heart. Very much so. Um, I've only ever 
recently picked it up. You know, it's a movie that really doesn't have any nostalgia for me. And I think walking away, I thought, yeah, I could see why Steve likes that. It's not near and dear to my heart as it is to yours. So for me, I like I see a movie like that, and I'm thinking this is kind of ripe for a remake. Like I, I, I could, mm. I could see wanting to pare away the '80s specific elements because it's supposed to be a near future, right? Right. I can see like getting out your your carrot peeler and like getting rid of the '80s veneer and retelling that story in a new way for a new audience. Uh, so I, I feel like because. I don't have much history with the original. I was really open to this remake. I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, and I kind of I would like to hear more because this is good good to to hear because like for me, you know, we talk about remakes all the time and the remakes is such a uh it becomes its own genre, right? It becomes it creates its own set of challenges, especially if you're going to remake something that that's that is near and dear to people's hearts or has like cuz RoboCop is I would say it maybe is a little bit more than a cult classic because I don't feel like I feel like it is uh, much more widely embraced and referred to. But it spawned two sequels, uh-huh. uh, a TV show, line of toys, cartoons, video games. I mean, this thing was uh, RoboCop is it's still showing up in Mortal Kombat, you know, iterations, right? Like, I mean, RoboCop is is a cultural mm-hmm. uh like iconic figure and it was a wildly successful one i mean two is not good three is worse the, the mm-hmm. tv series i mean like nothing got better as it <laughs> as they as they kept on duplicating it but but it was clearly i mean so so i think that's the thing is it's not like if it was a cult classic being remade that's one thing and you can say oh well we're, we're gonna risk alienating um a segment of the population that really reveres this but to go ahead and do this again, it was interesting that they it like because it didn't have like like Predator is another example of just like I just kept it wouldn't stop. Right. And, it, and it's still going. And we're seeing, you know, remakes. And then we got it took us all of that to get to like the prequel of Predator, which is which is wonderful. Right. So you get so but so Robocop had that and then it just sort of died out a little bit. And then, like OK, let's remake it, which is a challenge because it's one thing to just take the universe on mm-hmm. again but it's another thing to say well we're going to retell the story um because what it assumes i think in this particular case is people want a they want a, they want an updated version yeah. of, of this of of this origin story and and i and i think it also this movie one of its mistakes that it makes and we can get more into the critique as we go along is is that it thinks robocop is the, is is the reason like the the existence of RoboCop is the reason why RoboCop was as highly regarded as it was now for, for toys and for video games, sure. But in terms of like people actually liking the movie, I mean, there's the RoboCop world. I think is what people are more interested in. I mean, this this sort of gave a hint toward sort of a world built around RoboCop. I almost feel like this one, the the remake, set RoboCop in our world. It, and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a near future, but it di- it really does feel well, like oh well this this feels like the world I live in. I mean, even down to like the Fox News kind of sure, yeah. But I I, I would argue that this I mean wasn't the original RoboCop doesn't that takes place in like it is a near future, but it feels very... no no. It's there's certainly there's eighties. I guess I'm thinking like the world when you say that people loved it because of the world around RoboCop. 
it feels like that original movie had to do more work to build the world because robotics seemed like, you know, forever away. Right. Yeah. Th- th- this movie has, I mean, th- th- it took advantage of a lot of opportunities. And so I, and I, this is where I, I think I wanted to get to, too, with your mm-hmm. kind of fresh eyes on the original, you know, trying to shed some of the nostalgia as I, as I, critique this film mm-hmm. is if, if robocop never existed the original what would i think of this movie um and i think i th- i think that part of the burden of making this movie is because it's a remake and it's so hard to reimagine right because i think you do feel somewhat obliged to uh to use the source material right like mm-hmm. i mean it's so hard to say, oh, we're going to, we're going to remake the whole concept. Okay. We got a robot cop. And like, they, they, they sort of redid like how, like I said, we really got much more of, of a point of view, I think from uh, the corporation side, maybe more than we got in there. I mean, I, we definitely got it from the, from the, the previous one, but this one is like, it spends so much time. Yeah. You kind of get the idea that the corporations pushed into a corner and it, it, a, a corner politically. And they've, they've realized like, right. well, we have to kind of, meet this constituency and but then we got to make these people happy and at the same time we're trying to sell a product and uh at the, at the end of the day what's our bottom line now the nexus of all of these pressures kind of creates the robo you know the murphy character you you wouldn't need the murphy character if there weren't right. external pressures like that so yeah I, I i did like that and let's just put this on the table I liked the original RoboCop in my, in that experience. I didn't love it, mm. and I think I don't I don't know what it was that was missing for me. I, it could be that that the main character, the RoboCop character, just wasn't someone that I thought was charismatic enough to hold the role. Wait, you think this guy was more charismatic? <laughs> I like this actor. I've seen this actor in a number of things, and I think he's actually decent for what he does. He's he's far too Swedish to be RoboCop. I'll say this. The actor that played RoboCop was kind of a deterrent for me as a child. It was that, that grotesque, mm. giant, bald head sticking out of the robotic frame. That, mm-hmm. that, that just, he seemed monstrous to me. Yeah. And, I, I, and that's, I, to me, that's what this movie is missing. Okay, well, for me, I feel like, like I kind of like the idea that I'm rooting for the guy. Whereas mm-hmm. the first movie, I was like, eh, I'm not sure I care about this guy. Like, well, the movie it says, and that's I think one of the key differences for me in this in those two, and I'm glad you brought that up, is that when Murphy looks quote human, he's at his most grotesque. He's at his most un uh, unviewable version of himself and it's the most disarming and uncomfortable version of himself reminding you that this is yeah uh, a... at its core an abomination yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's that even that 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 whatever humanity is in there is is uh has to st- it, it the humanity is held captive by something that it was not meant to be right so in this one it's like i understand it, in a way the movie does two <laughs> So here's okay. Here's here's where I think my issues with the two, and I actually don't mind the remake. To be honest, I, I find it to be a little. It gets it, it betrays itself. It betrays its own. I think uh, cleverness, um, whereas I don't think the original did. And I and, and I, I'll get a little bit more into that. But I think I think what you have with the original RoboCop and what uh, Verhoeven's doing is it feels like it's con- it's a constant 
critique almost to the sat satirical point. Even the violence feels satirical and in a commentary on on American violence and Americans' obsession with violence. So it just feels like it's all just just part of that, and it all and it's woven in the fabric of the entire and the entire film. And and um, and you're never supposed to to think that that the RoboCop like you're kind of supposed to be at arm's length with with your your main character um and so you that's why like your any feelings you have towards murphy is almost uh conceptual not like what's happening to him in, in real time because you just like because he's tragic all the way through um whereas with this one it, it feels like they almost accidentally parodied themselves but like they they make comments right in there that like the people don't even know what they want till you, you show them so they change the look right and that feels like it's a, a bit of a commentary on people don't want a modern version of robocop they want the old version of robocop so they take his suit and then they modernize it but he when the movie does it the movie's in a way it feels like it's a wink and a nod towards like yeah we're going to change the look because even you people that think that it has to look a certain way uh, we're going to give you a new one and you're going to buy it but i don't think they do yeah but i don't think, I think that at the at the very end of the movie they do give us a, a nod to the the classic robocop Exterior. Right, and this and this bit, and now we'll put a pin in that because that becomes a, a bit of a problem in this film. Is that this film does have a little bit of hubris, thinking that it is improving on it, um, and so when it does that, every time it makes a reference to the old one, they it it almost makes me go, oh, I was watching this movie and actually like just sort of getting into your world, and as soon as you drop a hint to the old one, now I'm thinking of a movie I think I like better. Okay. And I'm and I'm missing and I'm missing that that the ability to complete and, and I get that. Re remakes are going to do that all the time. But like if you say I wouldn't buy that for a dollar, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I haven't laughed in this movie once. I, we Yeah, we're going to get to I've that. laughed in the other. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. This movie is much more joyous okay. in my opinion. All right. So I think I'm right to say that you have not seen The Wire. I'm not. OK, so do you have any kind of. Feeling all at all about Michael K. Williams? I usually like him. I don't see him a bunch, but yeah, I mean, he sort of was one of the most compelling characters in The Wire for me. Mm -hmm. um, he's recently deceased. It was just a really nice surprise. I didn't know he was in this movie. Uh, I thought, and I thought that they were gonna fridge him. Like I thought, oh, he's gonna die, and that's gonna be the primary motivation. But they didn't do that, and they, he got to have a couple really important scenes in this film. It was just nice to see him in, a, in on the screen again. You need me to call a doctor? Come on, Jack. You're gonna like this. What's going on? What the hell are you doing here? Y'all gonna play good cop, bad cop? Nah, Daniels. Bad cop, robocop. I've recovered 26 guns from Valen's warehouse. 13 serial numbers match weapons missing from evidence, and I got your prints all over them. This is bullshit. I also have CCTV footage of you and Val on the same day he tried to kill me. You know what they do to cops in prison, man? Being locked up with the same dudes you put in there? An old, beloved actor. I thought that he was good. I'm going to trudge up an old Cocoons of Horror category that we haven't used lately. And that is, who is this movie for? Mm -hmm. I think that this is kind of the crucial question for a lot of remakes. Um, is Are you making the remake for the people that love the first one and loved to, would love to see a new paint job on that? 
Or are you making this for a new generation who are maybe stumble over some of the 80s schlock, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So my feeling is that this is a movie that was made for me. Like I, I had no history with the original, or not much anyway. And I think this is a decent movie. I think that the the cast is phenomenal. Honestly, like even like the bad guys, I, I don't think that there's a bad actor in the entire group. Um, I think that the story all makes sense. Like e- even down to like sometimes it'd be like, mm, they're not gonna have a high definition camera at that car explosion, and then like later on in the movie like explains why uh, he's seen it the way that he's seen it. Like there's a there's an actual. Uh, you know, reproduction aspects to the whole thing. This movie has thought through a lot of the storyline issues that I would, I would kind of be suspicious of. So I feel like this movie's made for me. I, I enjoy this movie throughout. And I just, I think, I think if you put the two side by side with someone with no history of these two movies, I think this is probably the better movie. But my feeling is that this is not a movie for you. Mm. I I think it's I think it's fun. The modern twist on robotics and like how would that how is that interesting? Well, the the interesting thing is what happens when you take humanity out of you like drones and you have all of this automated stuff and maybe even more poignant now with AI. You know, uh, we're talking what like nine years later. Um, you know this idea of of people losing their jobs to to automation, mm-hmm. right? And so there, so there, there's definitely like there, like there is a a a. It took advantage of of some of the concerns and 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 some of the stuff that's really going on, and it, and it and it upped the political aspect, which is appropriate given how politicized everything is now in a way that maybe it wasn't before. Um, so. And it showed how the corporations are kind of working alongside with with politics and and how those are. T- so there's a lot of really good stuff in there. The cast is 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 fantastic. Um, they took a lot more. They spent a lot more time on the um, the creation of RoboCop. And maybe this goes to my, uh, you know, Frankenstein's one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time with it whenever it's on screen and maybe this is at the core of it is like I'm really not that interested in how Frankenstein monster is created. I mean, that that's, that's fascinating. It's a fascinating idea, but that's not the heart. That's not, that's not at the core mm-hmm. of, of the film or the, or the, or the story. But when it goes to the film, like, and I feel like this movie fell into a lot of traps where it's like, uh, I was checked out on a lot of the action sequences because I didn't find them to be particularly interesting or new. Right. And, and, I didn't, and to me, that was like I was less interested in if, whether or not RoboCop could handle an army of of robots or multiple Ed two hundred nines. To me, that's just not a part of the story that that matters a whole bunch. Like, yeah, I I believe. I, to me, I felt like that was the one of the best innovations. Well, it's this. an improvement if you want, if if you think that it needs to be an action movie. Okay, number one, this is an action movie. Yes, and I don't like many action movies. So I think that, like, in terms of using an action sequence to tell a story, it's not easy to do. And for me, the story that they were telling, and I was sort of, like, making notes through, I was like, they didn't do the memory thing. Like, when RoboCop first becomes RoboCop, they were supposed to erase his memory. 
And then he he doesn't remember his old partner and he doesn't remember his family. And then he discovers that later on. And I was a little disappointed that they didn't do that for this one. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, no, they didn't do that because they're doing something more interesting. What they introduced in this movie that I thought was fascinating was when he's fighting all those other robots, what we're learning as the backstory is that he thinks he's in control. Right. It's the illusion of what did they say? I wrote free it will. Here. Yeah, it's the illusion of free will. I think that's the key sci-fi component that I'm not sure that I've seen in many sci-fi movies. They, we've had a lot of movies about free will. We've had lots of movies about AI. We've had uh, a lot of movies about human and you know cyborg interaction and whatnot. But the nuance that they bring here is the illusion of of free will. And that I think opens up the larger question of like, is free will always an illusion? And to, to introduce that during an action sequence is something that I don't think most action movies are brave enough to do. No. And I would agree. I think, and that's it. And I think that's what my disappointment in this movie is. I think that they actually had the framework for a lot of, they put a lot of really compelling ideas on the table, that being one of mm-hmm. them. And I and what I felt uh, a little bit cheated on is that it would then be like, but he's now got he's gotten his free will back to fight the robots. You know what I mean? It's like I felt like it did that. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And this is where I think science fiction, you know, and and I think you'll agree with me on this. Why science fiction is more compelling than an action film. And this had well, all- you don't, you can have those. You can sure. have the two simultaneous. In fact, I would say that the first RoboCop is absolutely that merger, right? Right, and I feel like this one had, and this might have been like I think we talked about this before. Like one of my critiques of Man of Steel is, is you're right there, like you had you introduced some elements and you and you were ready to explore mm-hmm. them, and then you sort of devolved into a little more cookie cutter uh, Hollywood action, which is what. The original Robocop does not do it sort of bucks that throughout. And, and I, and so when it talked about, when you talk about the courage, I definitely think that there was courage there, but I also felt like it, it didn't follow all the way through because then it like that, I'd say that the, the last act and the, is he going to make it to, to, it was just kind of like, ah, just that it didn't move me at all. Where I was, so, I was way more moved by the idea of the um, the, the free will is an illusion. Way more yeah. moved by some of the the machinations in the background and what's going to happen with like like because like I feel like he didn't get it. I didn't get enough of like like it was just I was it was narrated what was happening right. Like I mean it's like mm-hmm. he's he's not he's doing his own thing. It's like but we're getting that because you know Gary Oldman is now um, you know narrating what's going on and, and instead of there being the, that extra like I'm all well, you could have cut a lot of those action sequences to give me some more of those personal things because I think it was a clever uh, they did a really good job of not just recreating they they gave us a new reason why he was uh, injured. they gave us a new uh, mm-hmm. reason why he was created in the first place. Um, and then, like you said, that the idea that um, that he wasn't like like the heat, they, they flipped it right that you could turn him off where in this one he had to turn him or the original he kind of has to turn himself on. He's initially created to be essentially just a robot that has yeah. human that has some human capabilities. But the but whereas this one was the other way, right? You had to you, you would have to modify that part. Um, so I'll tell you the one tweak. I'll actually give you two tweaks. 
um, that I would do to improve this film that I felt like, and I'll just steal them right from the original film. The two things that I thought that the original did much better were sort of the last scene where the Robocop failsafe is intact and then the CEO gets fired. Right. And then as soon as he's fired, now he can be uh, dealt with, right? That's a pretty good scene. Yeah, I, I like, I love that one. This one, he just, it was sort of like mind over machine. Mm-hmm. Like he just wills his arm up and pulls the trigger or something. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I like the first iteration better for sure. Sure. Because I think that that actually undermines the the free will concept right the yeah the, the he's still he's and that and that's why i think going back to like the look of him and why when he's at his most human he's at his most grotesque because i like the because like that tension stays throughout the entirety of it right like robocop yeah. does robocop goes on to live in the in the other one kind of I mean, that's tragic. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, yeah. Whereas this one sort of gave the, the idea like, well, good news. He's in his old suit and now the family's back together. I'm like, it is tragic, but I don't know if it, if it played itself off enough. Like, whereas the other one, I felt like it was very clear it knew. This one, I wasn't sure how self-aware it was at the end. Like, like, you, so what do you, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> Why? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna still be a police officer you know you don't get to retire now <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean i i don't know i mean it's like it is it's it was a weird ending in the sense that i wasn't sure how i was supposed to and i felt like and i will say that were the the some of the satire and the and the commentary that was in the first one was um while some of it was very bombastic and how it was demonstrated there was still a subtlety to it Every time Samuel L. Jackson's character got on the screen, I'm like, I know what you're doing. And oh, I was going to say that it's never not funny to watch Sam Jackson yell and curse. <laughs> well, sure. But I mean, in terms it's, of like... Th- that works for me every... Even when he's sort of doing a parody of himself. At the end there. I yeah. can... I love it. I absolutely love it. It's, it is, it's an enjoyable thing. But in terms, it did take me out of the, this film because I'm like, are you like, it almost felt like we'll just put these, maybe this is there, I'll buy that for a dollar moment, right? Like every time yeah. he shows up. Um, but it does feel like it feels a little ham-fisted in terms of its attempt at, at, at if it's trying to be satire or commentary. It's like, like, it's so clear what's going, you know what I mean? It's like there was not, those, those moments lost any subtlety. Yeah. I think that that's the key difference between these two. I feel like this, this is trying to be straight sci-fi and it's trying to like sort of downplay any of the satire elements. Whereas the first one was very clear. It was meaning to be both. The other thing that I would say about this is that I didn't laugh once in this movie. Right. Um, so so I kind of amused by Sam Jackson. Uh, you know, it always brings me joy, but I did not laugh at all. And the first one, I you know, there was a couple really funny parts. And also, Kurtwood Smith is amazing in the first one. Around. Hey, uh. hey, come on, man, I don't get killed. 
mean, the most the most non like villainy looking villain of all time. So, so for a film that had like some really impressive comedic actors, it kind of squeezed all of the humor out out of it. It was sort of like. There was no. There was no. Aside from Sam Jackson, which I, I thought he was uh, Jay, funny. Jay Baruchel has laugh. some moments. Maybe so. Maybe so. But I just think that this could have. This could have been punched up for sure. I feel yeah. like. Um, which you called out earlier, for sure. Uh, was there a, a tweak uh, that you would have done to this film to improve it? I would have. I would have move the action down i would have, i would have probably downplayed some of the because i think it really expects uh and maybe that's maybe i'm asking an action movie to not be an action movie as much. i just felt like when you got like there were they were they had created so many compelling interesting things like we just talked about and then like the to 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 assume that if you're buying into all that you also really want like is he going to be able to get through the building after, with through all these different robots it just it that to me was sort of like, uh, I don't know, I mean, we're doing this instead. Like, like I would, cause you, you, you're introducing some really, maybe this is not a, a slight tweak that you asked for. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a wholesale redoing of the third act, but, um, but I just I mean, think, that's I, kind of like the classic problem with action films, right? Right. So if, if, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I if think, you're not, if you don't like the third act of every action film in the world, then that means you don't like action films. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. And it could be that, that there's, a, I mean, cause I, I think that there was definitely some, uh, they introduced a lot of really cool things and, and I'm not, and, and again, I don't dislike this movie. It's the second time I've watched it. Um, and, uh, but I had almost identical feelings the second time around. Like I thought I might like something less or like something better, but it was like, I was like, Oh, that's right. Like I, this is, this was my issue with it. The last time as I was, the effects are stunning. The, the, the graphics are, I mean, it's, it's, it's really upsetting when he's, when the suit's taken off. Right. And so I think there was some really cool stuff that was happening there, but then it would just get undercut by some of its, like it wouldn't miss. It felt like it was missing its own point sometimes. And I almost wonder if that's a, a studio thing, right. As opposed to the director. Was there a cliche, a device, or a trope in this film that worked for you? I like, I like a bad guy like a Jackie Earl Haley that just doesn't like robots, <laughs> but he, but he makes them. <laughs> there's an interesting like he just like there's a, I, I don't know if it's a trope that you see a ton, but like the idea that there's somebody that's like the expert, the the bad guy expert into something, and he looks down on it, right? And so like referring to him as the tin man and all that that was just a, i just yeah i thought he was an effective bad guy i, yeah, I like i, I like that i like michael uh keaton as an evil genius i think that works absolutely um i like a movie with an evil genius uh well i also like that keaton keaton played it pretty pretty mellow like this is a character that some people could have re- like if you okay let's let's go back to what we just talked about let's flip keaton and, and oldman right I think I think this evil genius. There's a lot more over the top moments, right? And uh, and I think that with with Keaton, I mean Keaton, like like when he sort of dismisses Mrs. Murphy at the end, like, hey, you know, we're gonna we do whatever we can to take care of. You. He's like, well, I don't want anything to do with mm-hmm. you anymore. He's like, okay. <laughs> and I and I, I that, perfectly that, understand. That you felt, don't want millions of dollars. Yeah. I I totally understand. That felt super authentic to me. 
You know what I mean? Like he did a really good job of, of like, he didn't mail it in and he didn't go over the top. Like, I think he really nailed that type of, like, I believed he was a bit of a sociopath who, uh-huh. who, who believed enough that what he was doing was good to sort of motivate others around him. But then when it came time to no longer do that, it was like, all right, we're done. I like, I really liked the, the, okay, this isn't tropey. This is just something that I liked. The opening scene with the guy who's playing the guitar with the robotic fingers. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a really effective scene because it it sort of does the dual purpose of like introducing the Keaton and the Oldman characters and what their relationship is to each other. But it also introduces the idea that the emotionality of the human brain for some reason causes the mechanism to malfunction. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really good way to show that. Right. Um, and I, it, 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 it didn't take a, and just in terms of economy of space and telling the story that they wanted to tell, I thought that was a really decent. Yeah, and you also introduced the technology, right? So you introduced introduced the technology. You also introduced the, you know, Keaton walks in and like he knows exactly what classical composer, right? And the the movement of the, you know, sort of just to remind people that this guy didn't become a billionaire for no reason. He's he's actually kind of smart. And I don't feel like at any point did I think like, well, that was kind of a dumb move. You're supposed to be a genius. That was really stupid move. Uh, right up until the very, very end, like one, like almost the last scene of the movie, I really believe that Keaton is that smart. Right. So I liked. Well, I didn't love the choice to like have the gun on the on the family and all that. Like, I just it, it felt like it didn't work in terms of everything that the character had done up until this point. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, but I mean that's it's kind of that was kind of a there was moment. a yeah no I think and that and that moment was sort of one of the moments that didn't work for either. Yeah. Us, and right? and so. I also with that other sequence and going back to the, the, the Keaton Oldman characters, I, I really did like, we see Oldman as a, uh, as altruistic, but also looking to get a buck. Right. Like he, right. Basically he's going to, he, he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't think it's moral, but he's like, yeah, but like I can, like Keaton didn't have to like, put on a big demonstration and like try to convince him that it was moral. He did say, if you do this, Oh, this would be a really big thing for our company. And then we could really fund all your good stuff that you want to do. Yeah. I think ultimately Oldman's a good character, but he's not unbelievable. He's, he's he's corruptible. Right. Right. So I I like that. I mean, I, I really think they did with this movie was they took out, the stuff we used to forgive in action sequences and it tried to lean into the sci-fi. And if you're into, if you're into sci-fi, you really want those believable moments, right? right? Um, if you're in it for the action, you know, if you want to go to an action uh, movie, you kind of forgive a lot of those issues. So I don't know. I mean, look, if you like the first one because you like the satire and you like the schlock, then you're absolutely not going to like this movie. I think you gotta be careful with schlock. I mean, I think you're, I think you're painting with, I think, I think you're painting this as like people liked it because it was, uh, because it, it, it doesn't hold up. And that wasn't the case then. It was a very, very successful and popular movie when it came out and not because of schlock. All right. The, the first, the original movie opens with 
a military demonstration in a boardroom. Right. <laughs> you, you've got people in suits falling out of windows. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, this, this is not the movie that's going to open with that, you know? So, uh, yeah, they, they kind of tone down, they, they ease into the action. Well, um, I don't know if they eased into the action. I mean, we start... We start off with suicide bombers jumping on Ed. Oh, you're right. I forgot Let's about that. Let's settle down on, on the idea that this came in with a real subtle introduction. Which, I, for, I forgot about the whole... Which uh, does create... I mean, it does create a little bit of like a huh factor. So... <laughs> no, no, you're and right again, This that. is where I talk about a little bit of like the ham-fisted messaging in some cases was so on the nose that it became but, a little bit... All right, like, I'm going right. to push back on that a little bit. All right. So w- Americans don't want prototypes of robotic violence on our streets, but we're fine to see them used abroad, right? That seems, there's some bit of truth to that. It's like, you want to try out a new weapon? Go do it in Syria, you know? Right. I I think that there's something, there's something very American about that. Yeah, I I don't know. Did we get, did, was that said though? Like, I mean, I don't know what the, we all, all they talked about was the approval of, of the um, of robots in America, but I don't know that the they reason ever... why that they weren't doing that in America is because of the Dreyfus Act, right? Well, right. So that, but of course, the military but people has... aren't voting for it in other in other countries. They wanted to demonstrate it as sort of a military device because right. that was legal a legal way to demonstrate it. Sure, but I mean, I on one hand, I mean, the people were voting against it. So I mean I I agree I agree with it from a bigger standpoint, but I don't know that they ever explicitly made it clear that uh, the like it could that could have been an easy graphic to put up on the on the no back uh, show was to just didn't need it. it didn't yeah. need it I didn't need it all right I think um, I didn't I didn't I didn't catch that I mean it is I think that's something you can definitely extract from it though but yeah I mean I guess that but that sequence um, the whole scenario there it was. Um, like I think it was it was effective, but at the same time it was it was pretty like, like there was no question like like this is what we're talking about right and I guess that's fine but like again when it, in terms of well, subtlety and it, and, it's it's exploiting Islamophobia I mean that's, oh sure that's in a lot of action films of which this is period, which is a bold move it was a bold move to come out the gate that way too all right I this is a I don't know if this is a trope but I just give me a movie with a dirty cop. Give me a movie with a dirty system and give me the one cop who just can't get along. I'm in for the ride every time. <laughs> I'm in. And, and, I, and, you know, great move to bring in Michael K. Williams for a movie like that. I, I like that uh, quite a bit. Um, Steve, is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? This is probably the the tougher question for me because I think I actually maybe I think I am going to say it's properly Howard, and and I think it's a and I want to consider that kind of a compliment in a way. I, I actually think that that this has a lot of like Howard esque ingredients, like big actors um, doing doing good. You know, I don't know that anybody was like great. But they were all like nobody. Nobody played necessarily under, but I don't know anybody was punching above either. Like it, it was, it was a very good group of performances. 
um, because it was big ideas that may not have completely been fleshed out. I think that's what I, that's where I'm landing on, on the, on the Howard thing. Like the introduction. How did you feel about the, how did you feel about in general, the, uh, special effects in this movie? Um, I think they're pretty good. Right. I mean, I, I thought they were decent. I, yeah, yeah. at no point was I taken out of it. Um, no, I, I, the one time I think I would be, I was taken out of it, and this goes back to that sort of like. The, the issue with sometimes when you have remakes is when the Ed 209s, like who are moving much more stealthily, obviously, because they're not stop motion, but like when they would fall, they would kind of almost give them that, like a little bit of a wink and a nod to the stop motion mm. version of Ed 209, which is like that with the, I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. And uh, like those, those moments sort of disrupted the flow. Mm-hmm. which is like, mm-hmm. because now it's like I'm back to like I, when I'm in like then I'm thinking back to the other movie which means now I'm and now I'm looking at this as a movie as being as opposed to being part of the world where I would say the difference is is at the end of RoboCop when he's Murphy I'm a mess Bruce! Murphy I'm a mess they'll fix you they fix everything they fix everything. <laughs> that's a great line, right? And to me, that's a that's a line that I really hold on to. I think that's a really fascinating line in in, in the world that they've created. And what uh, they do really good in this one is they more than once talk about fixing him. And it almost feels like an extension of RoboCop, the original, as opposed to a callback. And so that's why I think they did some really good stuff there where they where they where they understood what that was. And so but they didn't really like those those weren't as on the nose. And so I, I really appreciated that one. Um I I think I'm leaning properly Howard for this too, which is weird because at the after watching the first Robocop I thought properly Howard. Oh yeah. So so I'm giving these both a properly Howard um and yet i clearly like one more than the other it's 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 an odd it's an odd way to live well, in that's, the world but that 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 critique seems properly hard <laughs> yeah i think going back to the idea behind the howard scale it's just how you felt when the movie was over right yeah, so, for me, for me, RoboCop the original. Even now, watching it, obviously, I, I could still look at it through nostalgia. But the things that hold up to me make it, make it a Howard plus whatever. Uh, just because um, I think, I think there's so much. I think you can almost say the opposite, right? I think they're getting so much out of actors that like you may not recognize, and uh, the choices were much more, um, much more you know like courageous in a way the choices were much more uh like they, they they were out there right and and many of them executed i think pretty pretty decently um and so that's where i would probably lean towards uh, an above howard was there a um a half the battle one to grow on moment in this film um you know just let the alarm go it'll turn itself off <laughs> The car alarm? Yeah. <laughs> so mine is, don't record four months of hockey games thinking that your deadbeat dad's going to watch them with you. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? He's like, I can, I, like, I'm barely alive. And you make me watch that much hockey? 
there's no way your your cop dad is gonna sit down and watch four months of recorded hockey with you, dude. Yeah. No. And what's the matter with this kid? Yeah. So you're you're trying to tell me in 2028. In 2028, this kid somehow is not getting information about who won. <laughs> that's the that's the real reason he's he's not getting teased at school. She just took him out of school because she's afraid someone's gonna like tell him who won the hockey match. <laughs> Ruin a hockey score. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, Detroit. I like, I like a movie set in Detroit. I, I've never not liked it. Yeah, movie. it's so funny how, like, the, the the most recent version of Detroit is way cleaner than the 80s version. 80s version looks way more like Detroit is now. <laughs> I've never seen a movie set in Detroit that didn't, like, <laughs> lo- love all of it. Love all of it. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>